0: Good morning, uh, it's good to be here this morning, happy Father's Day to, uh, to you dads out there, whether you're here or joining us or uh, joining us online, we're certainly grateful to have you, grateful to know you, uh, hopefully you won't hate us after that video, um, maybe you can add some uh, some jokes, some puns to your repertoire. Uh we uh we are in the middle of a series. We're gonna talk about that in a minute, but before we do, uh I just want to say thank you, uh Wellhouse partners. Uh last week I kind of threw a little challenge out to you. Uh we, we were aware of somebody in our Wellhouse family here who was needing some help, and you all rose to the challenge like you always do. Um wildly generous is a part of our DNA, and not only you know, we have a budget that we try to meet every, uh, every week just to cover the things that we do through Wellhouse. You not only exceeded uh, in giving to our budget, but you exceeded in giving to the special cause as well. And so for that, I just want to say thank you uh, for allowing God to work through you to bless other people. That's really what we want to do here at Wellhouse, to be a blessing uh, to those around us in our community. So thank you for that. We, uh, we are, as I mentioned, we're going through a series called At War, and uh, the whole idea of this uh, series is, is really uncomfortable, because as we mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, we don't typically live in a society that's comfortable with the term idol. Uh, we don't think generally that we worship idols, we think about that as something that's like archaic old school, old fashioned, that's, that's maybe something that people, you know, would carve wooden images or pour, you know, some kind of uh, metal image, and then they would bow down. So we would say, we don't do that anymore. But we kind of went back through and said, you know, really, the idea of, of an idol is this, is that it's anything that you hope is going to give you or anything that promises to give you what only God can give you. That's idolatry. And so it's it's this hope, it's this longing inside of us that something's going to fill us in a way that really truly only God can. And as we've looked at that over the last couple of weeks, what we discovered is that idols are often formed when we take good things and elevate them to the most important things. So it's not necessarily as we go along in this series that we're talking about all these evil, terrible, horrible things. We're oftentimes talking about good things, but the problem is when we, uh, when we elevate them to the maybe the most important thing or we elevate them above God, that's when we fall to this temptation of idolatry, that we're, that we're worshiping something. And we talked about that in the very first week that uh, really as human beings, we don't have the choice not to worship something. We will eventually worship something with our life, even if it's just ourself. And that's what we talked about last week as we talked about idolatry can oftentimes fall in, in this uh, understanding or this this pattern of idolizing self or idolizing you know what we want to be or who we want to be seen as. And so last week as we kind of concluded things that that many times there's there's information coming in. There's wise people in our lives that will kind of help try to shape us or challenge us or mold us in certain ways. But when self is an idol, we'll dismiss the warnings of the wise for the desires of our heart. And this is the danger of when self is an idol because there'll be times where people will say, hey, listen, you you really should kind of pay attention to this or man, you, you should watch out for this or have you ever thought about this before? And we will dismiss the warnings of the wise for the things that that we really want deep down inside. No, it's not ever gonna happen to me. No, 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 you don't know what you're talking about in this certain circumstance. And then eventually we wind up finding out that we have dismissed the warnings of the wise, and we fall in trap to ourselves. Now, I need to tell you, I'm going to start off with a warning today. We, we're moving on in this series, uh, and today we're talking about the idol of entertainment. And I want you to know right off the bat. That some of the things that I'm going to say, you're going to dismiss maybe quickly as this this really seems like archaic old stuff, right? Like Steve, are you, somehow are you like living at home with no phone or no, you know, no computer, no TV? Are you anti all those things? You're anti-sports. And you can ask my family, I love sports. I love sport. I would watch it all the time. I love football. I played football. I played basketball. I was a wrestler. I played baseball. I did all those things. I love them. If you ever want to go to a football game and you want to pay, I'm there. I mean, I'm all in. I am all in with those things. I love watching documentaries. I can watch them all the time. It's one of my favorite things to do, especially if it's like some kind of murder mystery or you know, somebody that kind of went off the cra- I don't know why I'm drawn to that. Some, some of you are drawn to that too. We should probably not talk. Know, there's something wrong with this, I'm guessing. I don't know. But I love that stuff. But just because I love it doesn't mean I don't need to open my eyes to the fact. That there are some things that happen in our life that if we leave them unchecked, they will devour us. And so today, I want us to open our eyes to the possibilities. Chris talked about in the communion devotional today, the Knights of Templar, and and as they were baptized in the water, they would would always stick their sword out of the water. Today, I want us to to maybe come to grips with the, the fact that there's some things in our life, and maybe for you, it's entertainment, and that looks various forms. But maybe there's a part of your life you're like, listen, this is kind of separate and apart from the way I follow God. There's a lot of forms of entertainment that we find in our life, a lot of different things that that can kind of take the place of the importance of of God. There's some stats that I kind of want to read to you as I was looking this week on just the various forms of entertainment and how much time and energy and resources we spend on entertainment There's a trend that's continuing to increase And we found a a huge spike during COVID that's kind of continued to last It says that the average teen spends three hours a day at minimum on a social media platform Three hours a day And some of you are adults are like, I know kids are always on their phones And the average for adults is two and a half hours So you're not a whole lot better It's estimated that post COVID, around 270 million people in the United States suffer from some kind of social media addiction. 270 million people. Estimated somewhere that the average person spends about 3.1 hours a day watching TV or streaming something on a device. gaming industry those of you who love gaming i n- I never got into gaming that's not a that's not a gaming shaming thing I just never i was probably wasn't good at it it's over a, th- a 300 billion dollar a year industry 300 billion dollars and the average gamer spends about two hours a day gaming professional sports we have tons of, i was i grew up as a a Pacer fan from uh, from the Hoosier land. So if you know anything about those Indiana folks, we loved uh, we loved all kinds of basketball. in the movie Hoosiers, you may, you may have watched that with Gene Hackman back in the day. But then Peyton Manning came to town and he converted all of us basketball fans to football fans, right? And we would support, we were like Pacers, whatever. Now we're Indianapolis Colt fans and we're Peyton Manning fans. And when Peyton Manning left, it broke our heart, Right. And we we love sports, and maybe you love sports too. For uh, 2022, it's predicted that the sporting industry will gain over $80.5 billion this year after all expenses are paid. $80.5 billion maybe maybe social media is not your thing maybe it's not tv maybe it's not gaming or sports Uh, maybe it's movies how many of you been to the movies lately i went yesterday and paid i had to remortgage my house because it was mercy goodness how many of you seen top gun maverick now you're like i don't know if i should raise my hand for this This is like a trick question guilty no uh, um the, the last I checked this week, it had grossed over $747 million worldwide, $747 million. Jurassic World, uh, we watched that yesterday, interesting movie, good movie. So far, almost $400 million worldwide. Just a couple of movies that have come out in the last few weeks. And those are big numbers, several hours a day billions, millions of dollars every year. And so it got me thinking about, wow, if that's, if that's the kind of time and investment and, and money that we, you know, we would spend, and, and what does it look like for those of us who, who call ourselves Christians? I don't know if that was me. I don't think I'm getting any texts. Somebody's playing a joke on me. All right, um, I wonder what it would look like if if we kind of broke our stats down the same kind of way, like, what would that look like? And so I began to kind of do some research, and, and this is some stuff that I found online this week as I was kind of fact-checking some things. It said in 2023, about 63% of the U.S. population consider themselves to be Christian. 63%, in fact, we're kind of moving more uh, that, as we understand culture and what's happening into a, a post christian society, meaning that at one point in time, there used to be a lot more Christians than there were people who did not believe uh, in, in Christ or consider themselves Christian, but we're moving uh, faster and faster into a post-Christendom society where a, a larger number of people do not consider themselves Christ followers, But of that 63% that consider themselves Christians, 11% of those people say they spend time every day, at least a little bit of time every day, reading their Bible, 11%. Of the 63% of Christians, 47% say they belong to a local church, but only 26% are willing to invest two hours a week into belonging to a local church. So I'm willing to uh, belong to one as long as it doesn't cost me any time or resources or energy or money, things like that. Then, then I'm out. Healthy research funding says that the average contribution given to a church each week—the average—is seventeen dollars a week. Now. You might think, well, that's sure. There's people who, are, you know, they're making less; they're, they're not living on a whole lot. But then, when you read the other research of the billions of dollars that are going to sports and, and gaming and thing, you realize that we're lopsided. Less than five percent um, of all Christians, they say, tithe. Less than five percent, and that tithing is dropped. Over 50% from 1990 to 2015. Where does that tell you the trend is going? See, the reason why I bring this up isn't the fact that I believe entertainment is bad. The reason why I bring this up is because I think sometimes we need to shed some light on some things that we hold out of the water. Some things that seem untouchable, but I'm telling you, it's growing There's something that's growing among us. And if we don't address it, listen, if we don't address it, it will become an idol that we will not touch. And we may refuse to call it an idol, but I can tell you, if we're spending our time, energy, money, resources in it, it will be an idol. And it's not Steve saying that. I need you to know that. This is something that that Jesus talks about in one of the greatest sermons ever given. It's found in in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 6. He's right in the middle of this thing we call the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, is that me? That might be me. There we go. If I need to switch over, you just let me know when. In Matthew chapter 6, it says this. Verse nine, don't store up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and vermin don't destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, if you have a highlighter underline, you you write this down. In fact, if, if if you want to write this down in notes and look at it this week, that would be helpful for you. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body is going to be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And as Jesus begins to talk to them and teach them a different way of thinking, a different way of acting, he begins by talking about this idea of storing up treasure, it's the things that you accumulate in your life that will ultimately shape you. Now, those of you who, who are parents, you know this full well, because you've watched as your kids navigated friendships, right? And some of them, some of the friends that they made, you're like, ooh, I don't know that I really want you to spend as much time. I don't, want, I don't know I want that influence around your life, because you realize that the more things that are accumulated, the more more it it impacts somebody's life. There's this thing in in psychology uh, that we call the law of exposure. The law of exposure ultimately means that over time, as you're kind of exposed to things in your brain, it makes you think about the things that you're exposed to, and it changes and shapes the way that you think about those things. So how many of you have ever, you know, you thought about buying a car and then all of a sudden you kind of were turned on to, you know, I I don't know, it was like a blue Honda and all of a sudden you were driving down the road and what did you see all the time? You had never seen them before, but now it seems like you see them everywhere you go because it's the law of exposure because as your mind, as your senses are exposed to that, you begin to see that in everything you do. Therefore, what we learned about the law of exposure goes into therapy and we call it exposure therapy. So if any of you have ever been afraid of something before, you might go to a a psychologist or a psychiatrist and what they're gonna do is slowly begin to expose you to the things that you're afraid of in a positive way so that it retrains your brain what to do when you're around those things that you fear because we have understood that the more you expose somebody to something, the more it changes the way that you see it. And what we find in that is that we begin to orient, as Jesus teaches, we begin to orient our heart to the things we're exposed to. The exposure changes our heart. We oftentimes think, no, 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 my heart is true, and that's what orients my life. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not true. It's the things you accumulate around you that orient your heart. That's why you have to be careful. Because the more things that kind of clutter up your life, the more the orient of your heart is off. See, when entertainment is an idol, your heart will orient towards the temporal and away from the eternal. And this is why it's important to understand the exposure that we have in our life. is our heart will be oriented to the things that it is exposed to. But as Jesus moves on from this idea of what happens in our heart, he, he goes suddenly from exposure of the heart to what happens in our eyes. And Jesus begins to talk about the eyes, and and he says that the eyes are a lamp to the body, and the more that we take in, if, if it's darkness, our whole body will be shifted in a dark way. And Jesus is talking really more than just about eyes here. He's talking about perception. He's talking about understanding. He's talking about comprehension. Those those things that, that we feel like we have a good grasp on reality or a good grasp on what really happened. We generally think things are the way that we see them. We are right. We see the dangers that lay ahead. We can comprehend and navigate obstacles in our life, and we can understand the truth. And so therefore, as we see it, it is. How many times, I don't even need you to raise your hand because I don't want you to get in trouble today, but how many times have you been in an in a argument, in a disagreement, maybe with your spouse, and both of you saw the same thing, but you saw it completely different? Ever been there before? Don't raise your hand. Do not raise your hand. You've been there before? Of course you have. Because we think we see the way things really are But I have to tell you something, that's not always the case. I want you to watch this short video just for a minute. Oh, do we have sound for that guy? That might help. When You concentrate on a particular dot, you see that it's white. But as soon as your attention wanders, the dot turns gray. That's the Hermann grid illusion. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? We can take this illusion one step further by positioning white dots at the intersections of gray lines, all placed on top of the black background. Look at this image attentively, and you'll notice black dots starting to pop up at the intersections of the grid. Doesn't it create a scintillating effect? So why do your senses let you down by making you see gray or black instead of white? Actually, this illusion demonstrates one of the most important principles of human perception. You don't always see things for what they really are. You don't always see things for the way they really are. See, I think we think that we can perceive things and perceive reality rightly, but that's not always the case. In fact, if exposure therapy is true, if if the things that surround us begin to impact us, then maybe what happens is our reality is shifted to the exposures that we have. And then therefore, as Jesus talks about, listen, careful about the abundance that you bring up in your life, because it's going to do more than just orient your heart. It's going to change the way you comprehend and see things. It's going to change the way in which you perceive and, and, and understand the world around around you. I want to try something if you're willing to do this with me, okay? You don't have to let anybody else see it. But I want to show you something in your life. Are you ready for this? If you have a smartphone, pull it out. Go ahead. I know it's church, but it's not a museum. So that's important. Go ahead, pull it out right now. And then if you, if if whether you have an Android or an Apple phone, go ahead and click on your settings. And you don't have to scroll down too far if you have an iPhone. If you have an Android, I can't help you out a whole lot. It's called something like wellness or something like that, I think. But if you have an iPhone, you can click on screen time. It's not too far down too far. And you can find your activity from the whole last week. Then I want you to take it one step forward more, and I want you to click on see all activity. Now, this isn't a conversation between you and I. This is just a conversation with you. Let me ask you something. Of the abundance of things, that we, I know all of you are like, oh my gosh, I don't want to show anybody this, right? Of the abundance of things that you have in your hand at any given point in time, is it orienting your heart to understand the reality of God's truth, or is it orienting your heart and your eyes to other truths around you? See, I think the reason why the church is struggling so much is because there's this secret thing that we hold out of the water. This entertainment thing that says, "Like, all right, listen, I'm gonna I'm baptized the whole rest of myself, but this entertainment part—I mean, this is the fun part. This is the this is kind of the downloading part. This is the downtime part. This is the this is the part that really shouldn't affect me. And so we hold it out but we don't recognize that it affects all of us. It orients our heart and it changes the way we see the world. It changes our purpose in life for immediate pleasure. See, when entertainment is an idol, purpose is sacrificed for pleasure We ultimately begin to to see things. Oh, man, I really want that. I really, really want that. I I talk to my kids all the time. They're like, man, I really got to have that. You really got to? You got to? Like It it, it reorients the way that we live. The things that we, we see that we might want become a need. In week one, We talked about worshiping something, and we may not call it worship, but our time and our resources and our phones, they don't lie. As Jesus concludes this thought here about storing up for ourselves treasure on earth, he ends with this phrase you can't serve both God and money. Your verse says money, but if you if you go back to the King James version, it says something different there. It says mammon. The mammon if you really kind of look at the that word is is wasn't written in Greek. Was it was written in a completely different language. And so as we tried to interpret that that word there, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And what we determined there really is that, that the word mammon means abundance. So now as we look at what Jesus is saying, he says, You can't serve both God and a whole lot of other things. You can't just say, like, I want all of like I want my cake and eat it too. That says it doesn't work that way. You either got to decide that God is on the throne or all the other things are on the throne. It just doesn't work another way. This idea of abundance is so infiltrated in our system that it's hard for us to see it sometimes. We always want more. This idea um, begins to originate. It's always been with us, but we we coined a new word in 1852. Anybody want to take a guess of a new word that came out in 1852? I mean, it could be anything, right? Shout it out if you think you know. Come on. It could be anything. Excessive. Come on. We're not in a museum. I won't. I won't. I won't yell. Stuff. Stuff? Good guesses. Anybody else? Come on. We're on the topic. So you got to have an idea. I'm going to tell you what the word is. The word is boredom. In fact, in other cultures, there is not an adequate translation for the word bored came up in 1852 as as the second wave of an industrialized nation began to come over us and we were exposed to more and new and more things were happening over and over again. And so we wanted more and new and more and new. And all of a sudden, when we didn't have new and more all the time, we were bored. And we recognized that we were bored. Kyle Itaman talks about going overseas uh, to Haiti and he would gather there with a church and they would have a service and it would be like three or four hours long, you know, and didn't, they didn't really have an ending time on it. And he, he said, I wanted to talk to the pastor so bad because he was like, you know, if our church starts to run over an hour long, everybody's like, woo, that was a long one today, right? And so he says, what do you do? How do you cultivate uh, uh, this this group of people who will sit for three or four or five hours long? and not get bored and he said listen we have nothing better to do but worship God he said it made me realize that we live in such abundance that boredom becomes the thing that that creeps into our life because we serve this idol of entertainment so we constantly need more How many of you have ever found yourself, you had nothing else to do, and so you just kept checking your phone as if something were going to change to fill a void in your life? See, we have a problem. It's not that the phone is bad. It's not that social media is bad. It's certainly not that football is (laughs) bad. It's maybe that we've elevated it to a level that it was never intended to be. See, I think God created things for our enjoyment. In fact, he said he created all of earth for us to enjoy, but he never meant for us to worship it. So we were made to worship one thing. And when we get that one thing out of balance, our whole life is reoriented to something completely different. When entertainment is an idol, you will never feel content. Have you ever just felt like in life, like, man, I just, I don't know what it is I'm missing, but I'm missing it. And so you begin to fill it with more and more and more things, hoping that more money or a better job or a different spouse or better kids or a new place or whatever that thing is would finally make you feel content in life. But I'm telling you, it's in the wrong place. It's lopsided. It's never going to work. Band, if you'll come on up as we kind of close out. I don't want to leave us hanging in this, just exposing a problem without moving forward to something that we can do about it. So what do we do with entertainment? Steve isn't up here saying, all right, listen, throw away all your tickets and throw out the PlayStation. And listen, don't get on TV anymore. It's all bad. That's not the point. I think there is something that we can do with entertainment, but I think, first of all, we have to just address the issue that maybe you and I, we have an entertainment problem, and that maybe entertainment really wants to become our idol. And so the first step is just to be honest. Do you control it or does it control you? I did this experiment a couple, about a year and a half ago. I was listening to a guy and he talked about how to be more efficient at work. And he said, uh, in his speech, he said, do you know that the average person who works an eight hour day now only spends about an hour and a half actually working? I thought that can't be true. So I looked it up and and it is true. It's, and basically what they're saying is there's so many interruptions now, especially with our life happening, that we constantly look to to see what's what's happening in our world or what's happening in our life. So we don't, we're we not as efficient as we once were before. So he says, listen, what you need to do is set a timer on your phone and then just pledge not to look at until that timer goes off. Set it in another room. And so I started doing it. I set a timer on my phone for an hour. And within, every once in a while I have this urge like, what? Do I have any notifications? Did, I, did somebody take? And I noticed how many times I was being drawn back to this thing because I realized I don't control it. It was controlling me. Is it your natural default without ever thinking about it? Have you ever found yourself like mindlessly scrolling through Facebook and all of a sudden it's like, I've only been on there for five minutes, ten minutes, and somebody who loves you dearly said, no, 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 it's been way longer than that. No, it hasn't. Yes, it, has, it has. It's your default setting without ever even thinking about it. Are you aware of how much time and effort and money you spent on If you were honest with yourself, think back through. Let's just be honest. You don't have to admit it to anybody else, but just be honest with yourself. The second step I think for us to do is to be wise. Listen, again, <laughs> Entertainment is good, but we have to be wise with it, and we have to set boundaries with it. We set boundaries with our kids, but one thing I notice is it's hard to set boundaries with me. And Maybe you find that too. Set boundaries with time and content and resources that you're going to spend towards this entertainment thing. And if you find yourself lopsided, it's like, like, right, you know what, I, I look back through that thing on my phone that Steve was telling me about, and I noticed I spent about two minutes this week on the, on the Bible app, but I spent like five and a half hours on Facebook. Then maybe it's time to reorient some things, don't you think? The third thing is this, be resourceful. Again, I want you to understand that it's not entertainment that's bad. But if it controls us, it will become our idol. And that is bad. It's not only bad, but God says, listen, it will destroy you. But it can be a great tool. I love things like the Bible app or Right Now Media. Those things are good maybe you can even take it a step further and use the electronics and the entertainment that you have to get to know people. If you love entertainment, football, I mean, invite somebody to go with you. I love the Billingsleys this year. It was a great opportunity to get to know them better as we went out to a game and got to spend an afternoon kind of learning about each other, rooting on the Titans as they defeated my Colts. Peyton's not there, so I gave it up. We can use the resources that we have through entertainment to still glorify God, but it takes being aware. And so today, I hope that that's where we are, that we take a step towards awareness to see where our idols really, truly are, that we would be honest with ourselves, that we would figure out who's in control of who, and then if there's a place where we need to right a wrong, that we would do it, that we would take a step in that direction. See, it's not just enough to feel religiously guilty about things. I don't know if you've ever done that before. You're like, man, I felt good going to church because the pastor stepped all over my toes and man, I I feel so guilty about things. And you walk out the door feeling guilty. That is not at all the purpose of this. See, the purpose is life change. The purpose is that you would transform into more of who God wants you to be. And so take something from today and begin to allow it to transform your life to shift other things from the idol to God as you put him on a pedestal that only he can be on would you pray with me god we we love you but help us to love you more we recognize that we uh man we have this this gravitational pull to fill our time with abundance. And maybe it's abundance of food, or maybe it's abundance of relationship, or maybe it's abundance of sex or pornography. Maybe it's abundance of uh, of gaming or social media or whatever it is, God. We have this desire to fill our time, our space, our life up with these things. So help us to remember, God, that we can't do that And love you too. That there's only one thing that gets to be on the throne. God, help us to remember that where our treasures are, that's the thing that's going to orient our heart. So for us to be careful in the way that we live. God, we thank you for this reminder, but help it to be more than just a reminder. Help us to be transformed into more of who you want us to be to be resourceful with the, the entertainment that we have, to control it and not let it control us. God, we thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Help us to live in a way that honors him. And we pray all this in the power and might of your son, Jesus.